Hi, baby family and friends. Welcome back to Weekend Wednesdays, the podcast that brings a weekend worship into your midweek. My name is Minsu Kang, and I'm your host for this week's episode. Hey, guess what? We've reached our halfway point. I can't believe it. That went by so quickly. Thank you for tuning in to Weekend Wednesdays and exploring the Book of Esther with me. Up to this point, how has God been speaking to you through the first four chapters of Esther? From the feedback that I've received in person and through texts, it seems like this podcast has been helpful for some of you, allowing you to dive deeper into your story and see the fingerprints of God. And that brings me so much joy. My ultimate hope is that we all get to see that God is the hero of our stories. Whether he's been working up close and personal or behind the scenes, I pray that you've been able to see a glimpse of his heart for you. With that, let's dive into the fifth chapter of Esther and see the fingerprints of God. Esther chapter 4 ended with Esther deciding to go against all odds and present herself before King Xerxes in order to plead for the Jewish people. This step of faith required all the supernatural power she could get. The king would only keep alive those who had been summoned. Those who come before him uninvited would be put to death. Thus, Esther calls a fast with all the Jewish people in Susa. God must intervene. She needs to be summoned. Chapter 5 puts us three days after this fast. Esther puts on her royal robes and begins her walk to the inner courts of the palace. I can imagine her trembling the whole way. She probably had moments as she was getting ready thinking, wow, am I uh, I actually going to do this? She positions herself strategically in front of the king's hall, which has a view straight into the throne room. When Esther reaches that position, we are told that Xerxes, who is sitting on his throne, sees her standing in the king's hall. And then, we wait. What's going to happen? As Xerxes looks at her again, his heart is filled with favor and pleasure. He grasps hold of his golden scepter and begins to slowly raise it. I'm sure Esther, in seeing this, is filled with gratefulness, awe, and relief. She is staring at a golden scepter, pointing in her direction. God has intervened. God's hand has moved in power. Xerxes could have simply smiled at Esther, and that would have been that. But the hand of God moved him to respond in a different way. With the threat of death behind her, Esther approaches Xerxes, who is ready to grant her any request. Rather than asking for the king's intervention right away, Esther invites Xerxes and Haman to a party. This is strategic because she needs Haman present in order to accuse him of plotting the destruction of her people. So Haman is brought in quickly, and the three of them have a party together. When Haman and Xerxes are in high spirits, aka they drunk, King Xerxes inquires of Esther again, what would you like me to do for you? Esther could have very well, in Haman's presence, presented her request right then and there. She's got him. But she doesn't do that. Instead, she invites them to another party set for the next day. Whether she's too fearful at the time or lacked sufficient evidence, Esther delays and another dinner party is scheduled. 
This was a risky move on Esther's part because a lot could change between the two dinner parties. And things did change, as we will see in the story. The storyline follows Haman back to his home, who's in a very braggy mood. He calls together his wife and friends in order to flaunt. He boasts about all the money he has, the sons that will carry on his name, and the honor that the king and queen gave him. He just came back from a party at their house, and he's going back there tomorrow. There's no one else who has this honor in all the empire. Yet for Haman, his blessings cannot be fully enjoyed as long as Mordecai is alive. Haman wants Mordecai annihilated so that he doesn't have to be bothered by him anymore. He can't stand the idea of one person not giving him the honor he thinks he deserves. When they hear this, Haman's wife and friends suggest that Haman should set up a poll and ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. Why wait for the time when all the Jewish people are annihilated? Why not get rid of the one that annoys you first and then deal with the rest later? And Haman's request would be honored by the king because he's the highest of all the nobles. This suggestion delighted Haman. He could set up a pole, impale Mordecai on it, and enjoy the second feast worry-free. With that, the pole is set up, and Haman seeks after Xerxes in order to request for the life of Mordecai. Mordecai is about to die. This is urgent. Why did Esther delay? What is happening? Is God present? What is he going to do? We are left on another cliffhanger. In Esther chapter 5, I saw God's fingerprints in the ways that God took Esther through a season that she labeled as impossible. When we look back at chapter 4, we see in Esther's response to Mordecai a fearful woman, one who was convinced that God could not move. She even believed that if she courageously took a step forward, that would only result in her death. Yet through the movement of God, Esther was brought to the other side of the experience. God intervened and moved in her situation. This was no small feat. Now, Esther could have stopped there. She could have raised her hands and said, Okay, I'm done. Wow, that was a lot. Xerxes pointed the scepter at me. God moved. Wonderful. I'm good. But no, the story didn't end there. The story couldn't stop there. Esther's situation was just beginning to unfold. She had more of God's fingerprints to see. What I found beautiful in Esther, now moving into uncharted territories, was the fact that she experienced God in a tangible, first-hand way. God was with her. She couldn't deny it. He has taken her this far. Why would he just abandon her now? Sure, the road ahead was unpredictable and risky, but she wasn't going to journey forward alone. Have you ever been in a similar situation where you were tempted to stay put with God and not move forward, even after he intervened in a dramatic way? Maybe the season you just came out of was spiritually, emotionally, and physically draining. Sure, God may have shown himself to be real, but the thought of continuing forward absolutely drains you. When I was in my early 20s, I decided to take one of those find-yourself-in-Europe backpacking trips. The first hurdle of my trip was trying to figure out how to go from Hamburg to a small airport in a city called Lübeck. 
To make a long story short, it was a taxing process, but I made it. However, I quickly realized that coming back to Hamburg from Lübeck two weeks later would be near impossible. All the buses would stop operating hours before my flight would land in Lübeck. And this situation was on my mind the entire trip, and it moved me to pray like never before. I was so scared that I would be stranded. But by the hand of God, when I got to Lübeck, another traveler told me that there was a bus waiting outside the airport for anyone needing to go to Hamburg. And you better believe that I cried when I got on that bus. Sure, you could say that bus was going to be there all along. That's not the hand of God. But I choose to believe that God, in his good pleasure, allowed me to see that he is for me and that he's taking care of me. I remember sitting in the dark in Hamburg's airport, worshiping God and saying over and over again, I can't believe I'm here. That trip happened when I was maybe like 23 years old. And during that time, whenever someone was to ask me about God, I would share what happened to me in Germany. That story was very live for me. But as time went on, it became the only reference point I had of God moving in my life. I had no new testimonies. It was as if I set up camp here at this point in my life, refusing to move forward. Was it because God refused to move in my life? Doubtful. I believe it was because it was more comfortable for me to look back instead of moving forward. I didn't want to endure another uncomfortable situation to experience the hand of God. I'd rather eat the bread of yesterday than hope for a fresh loaf today. As I've spoken about in detail, my time in Vancouver was my most recent experience of God. As you know, it was a tough season, but a good season nonetheless. July 2023 would mark a year since I returned to Toronto. I'm grateful that I'm able to share with my family, friends, and you, the listener, what God has done during that period of my life to express how good he is. But I don't want to stop there. I don't want to set up camp in my time in Vancouver and refuse to move forward, refuse to move into what God has for me here in Toronto. And you know what? It's tempting to stop. It's comfortable and safe to stop. I'm tired. Even when I share my stories of Vancouver, it feels like I'm close to God and growing in my faith. But in reality, I'm living in the past. God has spiritual nourishment for me in the days ahead. I've been so blessed to be part of the Bayview Glen Church family. God has really met me here, has healed me here, and has brought me back to life. But most of all, God has revealed himself even deeper to me post-Vancouver. Can you believe it? Even after the Vancouver season of my life, God has still more to show me. God still wants to reveal more of his fingerprints over my life. Similar to Esther, I think we have the ability to look at some of our life situations as impossible. We hold this underlying belief that God cannot move in them, and so we just resort to living with them. Maybe it's an addiction that we believe will never break. Maybe it's a relationship dynamic that will never change. A healing that will never come about in our lives. Or maybe you're just emotionally done, without a desire to keep moving forward with God. Maybe you believe where you're at is the limit to your spiritual growth. 
as I encourage you to explore last week, are these your for such a time as this moments? Maybe this season of your life is a time where tackling these situations with Jesus head on is what you're being called into. I dare you to even imagine what life would look like on the other side of obedience. As we will see in later episodes, Esther was brought to the other side of her fear and was given the gift of seeing God move in powerful ways. I would hate for you to lose out on seeing, like Esther and I, the real, tangible, first-hand experiences of God. Or, maybe as you're looking at this mountain in front of you, it's easier for you to raise your hands and say, I'm good. Maybe it's easier to live in a state of brokenness than to face it. Deep down, even though that sounds appealing, I know that is not the way you want to live your life, nor a way that you want to minimize the power of God. As you even entertain the idea of stepping forward in obedience, I would encourage you to look back. Look back at your life and see how God has been faithful to you. Where have you seen the fingerprints of God? What stories have you shared in the past of God's faithfulness to those who've asked you? There is no doubt in my mind that something comes up for you. There was a time where God came through, where he fed you in the desert, even if it was a crumb. That crumb speaks of God, who is able to give you all the bread of the world. If God has moved before, he will move again. He has brought you this far, why would he abandon you now? My encouragement to you this week is to stop eating the bread of yesterday and ask God for a new loaf. Ask God to move in the areas of your life that you deemed impossible. Ask God to do a new thing. This request will not guarantee you an easy road forward. In fact, I can guarantee some bumps along the way. But what I am certain of is that when God moves, you will have a new testimony to share with the world. A new side of God that you've never seen before. You won't rely on the past. Behold, God is doing a new thing. All right, baby community, that's it for me. Thank you for taking the time in your week to tune in. I pray that you are impacted as we engage in worship throughout the week, and I look forward to diving even deeper into what God is doing with you all. See you next week on Weekend Wednesday.